For our time of instruction today, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. The first epistle of Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, a very similar passage to what uh, Drew was singing from the book of Ephesians uh, in, our, in our offertory. Let's pray. Lord, I, I just have a sense of peace hearing your peace through song, through the word proclaimed that you are our peace. Oh God, we pray that you would help us to really see who we are in you, why that matters, and for you to be at work in our lives and and for us to be transformed and why our lives matter, not only for ourselves and those close to us, but for a watching world as well. Would you bless your people as we study your word this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there are a lot of people in the world that think Christians are weird. And I don't mean like weirdy Christians. I mean, there are Christians who are weird just because they're weird, not because they're Christians, all right? So I acknowledge there are weird Christians in the world. I'm not talking about those. I'm, I'm talking about, about people who um, are kind of normal people who are Christians. I'm talking about grace-captured people, love-driven people who are trying to live in a fallen world, trying to live out their values in this world that just kind of feels upside down and turned over compared to the values they're trying to live out. Weird is one way to look at it. I think I would like to rather use the word special. (laughs) We're not weird, we're special. At least we're special to God. And, And the Bible does talk about us being a little strange when... When placed in the middle of the world at full throttle and, and that being considered strange is, is actually a good thing, the, the scriptures teach, uh, in, in terms of this. And last week, if you're visiting this morning, we just kind of work through a book of the Bible. It's really wonderful to, to, to go through all the verses of an entire book. And we ended last week where people reject the gospel and in disobedience, bring the displeasure of God upon themselves. I mean, it was kind of a stark ending last week. But we start with verse 9 this morning, and it starts with that that wonderful word, but, but you, they bring displeasure upon themselves. They bring through their disobedience, but you, but you are different. Verse 9, but you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, But now, you are the very people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but 
now you have received mercy. Beloved of God, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. Yes, we are different. And the Bible says this is a good difference. God's calling us to be a little strange. We are sojourners and exiles in the beginning of this whole book. It talked about how we are like sojourners of the dispersion of God's people, how we are just not from here. Finally, our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're temporary residents in a fallen world. And we need to be fully here and we need to, to live and love in God's presence fully here. But we are not from here and we are not going to end up here. So he says, hey, you know, we're different. And let's start with the idea that we're not from here. We're sojourners. We're exiles. So you know we're going to be different as God grows us spiritually to become more and more like Jesus in this, this incredible process of a, of a real life, the ups and downs of a real life. God at work in our lives to make us more like Christ, to make us more like our homeland. You know we're going to be different. And to us, that's beautiful. And that is special But to the world, it is strange. Peter says, yes, you are strange. You are strange because you're chosen. You're strange because you're God's chosen people. You are strange because you are royal. You're the royal priesthood. Meaning that all of us who have Christ now have full access 24-7 into the Holy of Holies, that most holy place in the temple, now literally the very presence of God, we are there. Only the priests had access in the temple, and only once a year, now children have access. We, only the royal family, only the royal family can come into God's presence. That's us. That's strange. We're royal, a royal priesthood. You are strange because you are a holy nation. Holy meaning you are set apart by God. A nation meaning ethne. Ethne, like our word ethnic. A, a large people group that that God has wanted for himself, that God through the work of his son has set apart for himself. You are strange because you are wanted all the time by God. You may not feel wanted all the time by people, but you are wanted all the time by God because you are purchased. That's what this this, this means in, in this particular passage, a people for God's own possession, meaning that like an, an acquired people, 
You know, think about when you save your money and you're able to, to buy something that's real important to you and it, it becomes a treasured possession. You're strange because you're God's purchased treasured possession. And earlier in the offer, offertory, we were singing from Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near through the blood of Christ and he has become our peace. You are bought with a price. That's not normal. You are his treasured possession. You are his holy nation. You are the royal family, the royal priests, the chosen ones of God. And look, if that's what it means to be strange, call me strange all day long. And Peter says, it is because of how amazing all of this is. He says, you know, therefore I will tell it. I will proclaim it. Literally, it kind of means I will advertise it to the world. I will tell of the excellencies of who he is and what he has done. Verse 9 that you, in order, you're all these things that's, that are different from the world, that you may proclaim the excellencies, verse 9, of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light because you're chosen, because you're holy, because you are a royal priest, etc. We are to be a walking, talking advertisement of the excellencies of God, literally talking about who he is in his greatness and majesty and therefore the sufficiency for our lives. Even God's holiness. You know, sometimes we talk about God's holiness and we say, uh-oh, because we know we're not holy. But even God's holiness, is it not about God's unchanging reliability? It's amazing these excellencies, the all-knowing that he knows everything. You know he knows everything and he still loves us. The omnipotent, all-power of God and, and, and what Christ has done to bring us to be the treasured possession, the people, the ethne of God, the royal priesthood of God. You are strange because you no longer have to live in the dark. You may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, before I came to Christ and I was in college, uh, I was definitely, like everybody else, in, terms of, uh, uh, in darkness, in terms of not just the deification of myself. It's all about me and all you people get to support me and I get to use you but also darkness in terms of ignorance. Y'all, I was ignorant of who God actually is. I was ignorant of the grace of God. I was ignorant of my real need, desperate need for God's grace. I was in that sense like everyone else who is yet to experience the gospel. I was in darkness. And you know, darkness in the Bible kind of has to do with truth, doesn't it? That God is light in 1 John and God is love. God is love in the context of truth. Walk in the light. 
walk in the truth of God. But God brought me into his marvelous light. And I saw the truth. I saw that I was and am a sinner without any hope before a holy God. And I saw that in the gospel, God fully accepts me as his son and will never leave me or forsake me. I saw his love. I saw and just as an early Christian just began to take in the scriptures to take in the truth, to be able to walk. And, and I saw that, that, that he was a, a lamp unto my feet through the scriptures, a lamp, a light, and a light to my path that, that he not only loved me, that he not only secured me, but he, he, was good, he would give me truth if I would walk with him and, and he would lead me. What a wonderful thing to walk in the light as he is in the light. Y'all light so much better. And that's why we are called to to not live as believers. I mean, just with the deification of ourselves. To not live darkly. To not just live by our, our gut. To not just live by our impulses. To not just live to just do what we want to do because we want to do it. But to to really experience God's love and experience God's truth. And be able to live in the light. And I tell you, that is so much better for us and the people around us for us to live in the light. You are strange, finally, because you are those who live by mercy. You belong to God. Once you were not a people, but now you are the very people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, this verse about once you are not a people, I know you can look at it in terms of the Jews and how they rejected the covenant. And one of Isaiah's children's name was Lo-Ami, not a people, no longer my people. And then God brings his people back, you know. Or you could look at it as the Gentiles who are, you know, that wall of partition hadn't been broken down until Christ. And they're, they're separated. They're not a people. Once you were not a people, but now you're the very people of God. I'm not Jewish. I am Gentile. means non-Jewish, in case you're wondering what that means. And, uh, and, but this means something to me because, you know, I thought about this and I thought about the way I felt as a, as a believer. You know, when I was 14, my father died of leukemia and my whole life blew up. One of the things that happened to me is, you know, I lived in a small town. And as long as my dad was alive, as long as I could go to the town square with him, I knew exactly who I was. I was Anthony Joseph Wheat Jr. I'm the third. Junior's boy. Everybody knew him. Everybody knew me. And then my whole life blew up. And who am I? I'll try to be the head of this household and my mother and sister were great but I just lost an incredible sense of identity I was this fatherless kid in a small town that people liked and felt sorry for in a good way I think but then when I came to Christ I became his 
He adopted me to be his son. And let me tell you something about this father. If any of you have lost your earthly father, this was a father who would never die on me. I knew who I was. Once I was not a people. But now you are the very people of God. You belong to Him. And it matters that you belong to Him. You are wanted by God. He wants to be your dad. He loves you 24-7. He wants to lead you. A people purchased as His treasured possession. Once I lived, you lived under God's wrath. Once you did not have mercy. Once you thought you could make the score with God. Once you thought you could be a good person and then you realized that it was perfection and everything else failed and then you realized that that is why Christ paid for it all. So we who are sinful, we who are fallen get to come into the presence of God. You know the headline over my life went from under God's wrath, enemy of God that thought he was a pretty good guy in a small town, the headline became mercy. I am so glad that everything I do in my life and in your life, if you've put your trust in what Christ did, everything is under the banner of his mercy. He has mercied you. He has mercy for you today. You are his and he has mercy for you. This is an amazing thing. You're holy. You're royal. Royal priesthood. A people for God's own possession. Out of darkness. Into his arms. Into mercy. If that's strange, call me strange. So we need to see how blessed we are in Christ. I think there are a lot of people that basically look at their lives and they're keeping score. There are a lot of good things about social media, so I'm not saying social media is of the devil, blah, blah, blah. Okay? I mean, y'all probably know I'm not on Facebook, Twitter, Fritter, or any of it. I know. I'm not with it. Um, But I think a lot of people, they can go on social media And like, they just lose every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's got their, their like, like airbrushed life out there. They're photoshopped. That's the new way to put it. They're photoshopped life out there. And you're trying to be, and you get on Facebook, you like, you lose. You know, I've got daughters, and I'm particularly concerned for, for young women who are trying to decide who they are, and I just hate for young women to take a poll every day and to say, I lose. You don't lose. Because your life isn't about who has what, therefore I'm not blessed. Who gets to do what, therefore I'm not blessed. No, we are blessed. And and Peter just enumerated for us who we really are. We need to see how blessed we are We need to proclaim to people who he is and therefore who he is to us. And then finally, it kind of shifts into we need to live like like we're his. 
in the world. Beloved, he says. Like the, my beloved. Beloved, I urge you, you remember your sojourners, your exiles in the world. Don't, don't pick up all the, 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 the mores of this world. This isn't where you're from. Don't pick up the heart habits of the world. Don't live just like the world. You're, you're just passing through. Be fully there. But you're sojourners and exiles. Beloved, verse 11, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your souls. God's beloved, abstain. Now there's a word you don't hear very often, abstain. Well, sometimes you hear the word abstinence, which is kind of the same word. What does abstain mean? It's kind of a negative word. It's a don't, right? Abstain means you're opting out of something. You're like deselecting something for a reason that you get to control. In other words, you have the choice to opt out, to deselect. He says abstain or opt out of, quote, the passions of the flesh. And um, basically what this saying is we are not to live self-focused and greedy in all kinds of ways, just feeding ourselves People in heaven don't do that. People in heaven aren't just interested in feeding themselves. You're sojourners here. You're exiles here. We, maybe we need to live a little bit more like we're going to live in heaven is what he's suggesting. The flesh, abstaining from the, the passions of the flesh. What is that? Well, I think in our over-sexualized society, everybody thinks that's about sensuality the old the old uh scholars called it sensuality sexuality everybody think well that's included but everybody kind of goes to that now it's a much bigger thing than that this is about our hearts just having self-permission to be selfish that's how we get what we want in life that's how we get the good stuff in life we do what we want we feed ourselves abstain he says from this passion of selfishness of the flesh it doesn't mean like you know that kind of flesh like skin it means our 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 fallen kind of nature it means our selfishness and how we act out on that and it could be greed it could be manipulation of people it could be gratuitous sensuality it could be a thousand things but it's about our hearts all that stuff nothing wrong with money greed's bad nothing wrong with sex gratuitous sensuality is bad nothing wrong with relationships even relationships that you benefit from but manipulation is bad right so it's just kind of the how our hearts twist good things to become things that are poisonous and y'all they're poisonous to other people when we live that way he's saying y'all are different y'all are holy y'all are the royal priesthood y'all are the ones that are the treasure possessions of god y'all are the ones called out of darkness to live in delight and and um and this is poisonous i mean i want you to think about this when you have i didn't say if you have when you have acted out on selfishness 
and you realize that you just took the bait, acted out on selfishness in one of these categories and so many more, don't, do you just, the next day or two days later or whatever, do you just feel great about that? I don't think you do. And I think one of the tips that you don't feel great about that is it didn't bring the kind of peace, satisfaction, fulfilling that you thought it might bring. And you're left empty, maybe emptier than ever before. You're left guilty because we have this thing called a conscience that we are not in control of. Isn't that an amazing thing? That God placed within us the law of God written on our hearts and a conscience independent of our thinking that says no yes it's an amazing thing living strange is actually better for us in this this good way of being strange and it's better for others because they see the reality of Christ in us they experience something like something like love rather than just our grabbing and manipulating people are here for us to love they are not here for us to use that's a message that we could really kind of ponder in 2019 so we need to see to it that we kind of stay strange. Stay strange. To those who love Austin, Texas and Brad Mercer, wherever you are, I know you're a big, uh, that's right, a hook'em horn graduate. But uh, from time to time he will mention, and I've seen them too, the bumper stickers. The bumper stickers that come from Austin that say, keep Austin weird. Okay. That may sound strange to you, but if you're from Austin, you kind of get that. Yes, you do. That's right. And what that means, keep Austin weird, is it's meant to keep the local creative vibe of Austin strong and not become just a city of chain stores and chain this and chain that, um, where being different is celebrated, so to speak. Keep Austin weird. Well, here's a bumper sticker for us. Keep Christianity strange. If strange means all of that, and it is strange to a world just bent on feeding itself at everybody else's expense and how we buy into those worldly values in our life all the time. It is strange to not cheat on your test when you're in college when the cheaters are making better grades than you. It is strange to not cheat on your income taxes. It is strange to own a business and actually be generous to your employees when you're not required to be. There are all kinds of things that are strange. You know, when I came to Christ, I had a problem at that particular point with consuming too much alcohol. College students have been known to do that, particularly those that are living in darkness, just like I was. And being born into a new life, Peter calls it born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. One of the things that happened in my life is I immediately quit drinking. It's kind of amazing. I started drinking in 
the love of God. Started drinking in a different kind of meaning. A different kind of of satisfaction and payoff, so to speak. And my fraternity brothers did not know what to do with me. One night they grabbed me and literally poured alcohol down my throat. Isn't that wild? It's like, I thought it was a free country. And I got held down by four big people and they poured alcohol down my throat. And I started reading God's word. And I almost fell on the floor when I read 1 Peter 4, 3 through 5. And I'll read it to you from the NIV because it's just a little plainer. 1 Peter 4, 3 through 5. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised, some versions say, find it strange. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is what's going on in my life right now. It was kind of a confirmation of we're turning a corner. We're heading to a different horizon and it's going to heaven and it's going to be strong and it's led by God's truth. Has God's word ever let you down? Ever let you down? I felt great about where my life was going. Certain other people obviously didn't. I couldn't believe it. They were surprised when you do not join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you or pour alcohol down your throat. But they will, have to give an, they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. We grow into our heavenly citizenship right here by walking with the Lord. We grow. And it's, it, is, it is a little bit at a time. It's day by day. Y'all may remember a few weeks ago we were talking about the power of the resurrection in our lives. And I, and I said, and I'll say again, you might say, hey, I know I'm a, a believer in Christ, but I don't know that I see the power of the resurrection. Like, you know, you're thinking of it in terms of these like big Shazam kind of things. No. No, you got the power of the resurrection. It is just every day. And, and some days are better than others. It, it's just a little at a time. And I want you to know, even though it's, it's not something that's, you know, going to be famous or this amazing thing, you are changing. You are growing. If you are pursuing a relationship with Christ in the light, according to his word, and it's good. It's good. The word abstain here, not a very popular word in our current culture, might give you the impression of just stay away from those people. Abstain from fleshly lust. Just stay away from those people. You know, it's what people call the, um, the fortress mentality. You've ever heard that? It's like, what is wrong with this? I was in darkness. I had no clue about the gospel. God brought me into the light like somebody actually knew me shared the God, and now I'm going to go and get behind this big wall and get away from these people forever. Or maybe send out a raiding party every once in a while to like share the gospel or something and then get back behind the wall. That's not what Peter is talking about. He's talking more about our hearts. He's not talking about just trying to come up with a way to observe a list of good, clean living. That's not even what it's about. It's about our hearts. It's about our selfishness. 
It's about where we are in terms of this strangeness, this incredible grace and love of God and truth of God in our lives. We are to live Christ before a world, and this is literally what the text means, that is supposed to scrutinize our lives. That includes our strength, that includes our weaknesses, that includes what victories we might see, and that includes our failings, and that includes our repentance and our forgiveness from God, and we demonstrate God's forgiveness as in the weaknesses as well as the strength, and people need to see all of that to see the reality of Christ in our lives. Verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you, and there was, there was persecution going on here, and they would speak evil against the Christians as a block of people. When they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds, your life, and glorify your God, your, your God on the day of his visitation. You see the word among the Gentiles? Not away from the Gentiles. Not barricaded. In fact, the word here literally means when it, when it talks about your conduct among, the word there in Greek kind of talks in terms of a conversation. It's like let your conversation with the Gentiles. I love that because a conversation is two-sided. You know, they're, they're supposed to see honesty in this conversation of where we get to see their lives, they get to see our lives, we get to hear their words and measure it against whether it's true and real. We get to, they get to see and hear our words, etc. And we can show and tell the gospel and show them the difference in our lives, basically to live like we are His. Let me close, because I want to tell you, Wherever you are in your perception of the love of God for you, wherever you are in the perception of the meaning and the importance of God's grace in your life, anything less but first importance, we need to fix that. Because it's all through the man in the middle. It's all through the one intermediary. It's all through the man Jesus. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, but the name of the one who has loved us and, and come to us. And, and as we walk with him and as you are able to see where you are and you can, you can repent, you say, I want, I want to come back. Lord, Lord, I, I don't want to become more and more worldly. Help me not to just imitate the world. Help me to live in the light. Help me to understand what that even means. Help me to take a journey in the scriptures, in the arms of my God. But y'all, when we do it together, it's so powerful. See, all of this is plural. All of these are general epistles written to the church. This isn't just about you. When we pursue Christ together, when we help one another, when we teach one another, 39 of those one another, love one another, forgive one another, it is an incredibly powerful thing you know what? There may just be somebody that wants to become strange too. And some of them will, and we will call them sister. We will call them brother. We will call them along with us the beloved of God. Our world needs authentic Christians 
who in total reliance upon God's grace, which is what we actually said in that baptism, you in total, the two, in total reliance upon God's grace. That's where it's at. The world needs authentic Christians who know who they are, know they're holy, royal, God's possession, um, his purchased. The world needs these Christians who will seek God and who will grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of God and grow in love and the ability to love. One of my subtitles for the Christianity for Christianity is simply learning how to love. The world needs believers that want to grow and learn how to love and show the world the difference that Christ really makes. The world needs you. The world needs us. Us, his church. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us see how loved, how privileged, how amazingly blessed we are in Christ? Lord, would you help us to want to, as sojourners and exiles in this world, to live with you, with people? Lord, would you change us? All of us so easily get ensnared by the desires, the values of the world around us, many of which are in contradistinction to your values, many of which, as your passage says, war end up warring against our souls. Lord, would you bless your people and would you bless people through them? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.